0: Welcome to detention, where you shouldn't be trusting those chocolate eggs that those bunnies lay. My name is Eric Miller, and this is my co-host Cody Kelchin.
1: How you guys doing today?
0: All right. So we got a pretty busy week this week. We got yes, a lot of do. things that we want to talk about and uh, Before cover. Before we get up
1: to that, though, yeah. I do have to clear up something. Last week I talked about the Supreme Court justices, and I kept saying Majority Taylor Green. It no, was actually Amy Coney Barrett. Yeah. I, I got told about that, and I realized that pretty quickly. So all my comments remain the same, just different name.
0: And I'm going to throw my two cents in on that, too. I understand the confusion. They are both blondes, and they're both nitwits.
1: So, <laughs> yeah, they're not great.
0: I would uh, say that easily mistaken there.
1: And if you guys haven't figured out by now, we're both a little bit liberal. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. If, if you don't like it, tough, but just our opinions
0: we'll try to be as unbiased about things as we can today is going to be a little bit different side of the fence obviously for some of the topics we're going
1: to talk about right so
0: um
1: but we got to get into the so let's make it some fun yeah let's warm it up with some warm easter podcast let's let's do some fun
0: okay so um i can't remember you're up i'm up okay so how can you tell it's a dogwood tree
1: Is there dog pee on it?
0: No, it's by the bark. (laughs) So.
1: I like that one. That's a good one. (laughs) That was good.
0: (laughs) Yep. I figured that was a pretty good one. I had had to send them other ones that I'll probably use out through the the next week. So, all right. You ready for this one? Yep.
1: I thought the dryer was shrinking my clothes. It just turns out it was a refrigerator all along. I don't even get that one. Because you, you mean? eat too much, you start getting fat.
0: Oh.
1: It's not funny when you have to explain okay. it.
0: You're right, but I do get that one now. But see, yeah.
1: I thought it was funny when I read it. You're just slow. It's yeah. fine. It's a
0: Sunday night. so it's <laughs> That's a... why I have a Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, okay. Good dad hopes this week.
1: Kicking Um, into sports. Let's do sports. Sports
0: talk first. We're going to talk with football. Um, We don't have much that we're really going to be covering this week on it besides just, at least for me, being a Cowboys fan. um, This past week, we had lost um, one of the assistant coaches, former assistant coaches, I should say, um, passed away at the age of, I think, 52. Yeah, Gary Brown was only 52 years old, passing away. Pretty big stuff there. Um, I know he wasn't with Dallas anymore. He kind of left a few years back, um, but he had three different running backs reach 1,000 yards um, kind of in consecutive seasons that he was there. So um, pretty big impact. I mean, he had um, DeMarco Murray, Mary McFadden, and Ezekiel Elliott kind of in 2014, 2016, 2018 win the rushing titles for that year um so obviously he was a really good coach I don't know where he was at now when he had passed away um but I'd say that's a pretty big loss for just the league itself
1: yeah when you when you can pump out or train guys to pump out numbers like that you're doing something right yeah whether or not they have a good offensive line or not because I mean traditionally Cowboys offensive line is pretty good but Mm -hmm. it always ebbs and flows but having those guys and three guys in six years being able to do pretty impressive. So.
0: Especially since, you know, the current uh, first-string running back, Elliott, um, hasn't really done jack probably since he left, in my opinion. I mean, he's done well, right. but his numbers have not been the same. So if it's the scheme of a different uh, running back's coach or what, um, who knows. But well, obviously the impact, I think, is very clearly noticeable with him not there. So yeah.
1: well, especially with him being a young age, you know, my condolences to his family and – The NFL did lose another really good coach, so that that sucks.
0: Yeah. All right. So then we'll quickly move on into basketball, where Cody has a pretty strong opinion coming up here, and we previewed it last week about the Lakers and their uh, Titanic of a season.
1: Yes, that is an understatement. So I don't hate the Lakers, and I don't hate LeBron. I'm just going to put that out there now. And Eric knows you guys will learn pretty quickly if you keep listening. I'm a huge, huge basketball fan but we'll get into the lebron versus michael jordan debate some other time cuz that that is a good chunk of time but i don't think lebron's overrated but i think that any time that he goes somewhere, you know, people are like, "oh, he's automatically a contender for the championship," which i get. But especially this year with the Lakers was they brought in Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook, And they still had um, Anthony Davis. And so everyone's expectations when they got there was, oh, they're going to win the championship. And originally, when I saw this, I was annoyed because I don't really like super teams. But what irritated me is that people were like, oh, they're going to win. It's like, no, they're not. I wholeheartedly believed at the beginning of the season. I'm like, they could get in the playoffs, yeah. I don't think they're going to get out the semis. Definitely didn't think they were going to get to the championship. And I had... No inkling to say that they were going to win. I was on that
0: boat that I feel like they probably could have made it into the playoffs and at least made a deep run. My only concern is that, you know, all of these players are getting older compared to They're other ancient. teams. I mean, especially, I mean, Anthony Davis has been in the league since, what, 2012? Yes. So 10 years. That's a pretty good run. Um, same thing with Russell Westbrook. Um, He's been in the league since oh8 Oh, has he really? Okay. Yeah,
1: so the Lakers had the oldest team, and I think the next youngest team had, like, a four-year age average difference.
0: I I can believe it. It was huge. I thought their experience would have played them into at least running Experience is good
1: for the mindset, but it's not good for the body when you're having to do an 82-game season on top of at least 16 games to win. Yeah. There's no way.
0: And Camarlo's – not Camarlo –
1: Carmelo. Carmelo
0: has been in it just as long as LeBron. Yep. They were in the same draft class. Yep. So,
1: yeah. And Carmelo played college. College,
0: right. Yeah, so So he's even older. Right. Yeah.
1: Like, they have talent, but it's talent that should have been put together five years ago to make it worth something. Yeah. So, everyone was blowing it up saying they're going to win. I didn't think they were going to. Lo and behold, they didn't. You know, uh, LeBron got hurt again. You can't really control that. And Ad's always hurt always. every year. He's always hurt, so that's for why they at least in, a good
0: majority of the season, right? Yeah,
1: that's why they brought in Westbrook to make him be able to take over the games when they're not in. Didn't work. He had a hell of a season, and not in a good way. It was just really bad.
0: I mean, some of the highlights that I would see, and I'm sure these were made for it, like yeah. how he was shooting, was just like, why even? He's take never that been shot? a
1: great shooter. But no. this year was atrocious.
0: It seemed like it was way worse. It was it was
1: bad. Yeah, his turnover margin was terrible. He he just missed a step, right? And he just he didn't want to change the game that he's always played to fit the team. Granted, you have that many egos on a team, you're not going to get a good mesh. I don't know why they think you can just plug players together and they're going to mesh well. They're not. Carmelo and if you're LeBron, Chris Paul, friends.
0: if you're Chris Paul, it could work.
1: Chris Paul does it a little bit differently. Like he he is. I think you Very almost, disliked around the league. I believe he is. it. No, he
0: is. He's very disliked around the league. That's probably why he's been to so many different teams. In some yes aspects no. of like, well, he's okay to leave. And they're like, okay, you're a, also you good to leave. But if you
1: literally talk to, or you look at every team he's been to, he's made them better. He's made them really good. The team a whole. Like yes.
0: Average wins because per season go up.
1: He demands yeah. respect. Yeah. And his team builds around that. Whereas you look at LeBron, right? I want to touch on his LeBron GM mode. Mm -hmm. Um, I found a Brian Winhurst meme that talked about it, so I'm just going to quote him. It happened the first time in Cleveland, ran out of draft picks, had a bunch of guys in their mid-30s. He goes to Miami, four years. Great run. They run out of picks. Goes to Cleveland, four years. Great run. Out of picks, they get old. (laughs) Lakers, fourth year. Oldest team in NBA history. Out of picks, they're exhausted. Every year or every team he goes to, he makes them better, but then just deteriorates and depletes their um, their stock, what the team has for assets, and then just up and leaves. so I'm interested to see how this plays out, but to me it it, it doesn't tarnish his legacy as a player it, it, personally because I do uh, I can argue. And I do believe that LeBron is the best player to ever play. Do I think he's the greatest player? No, but he is the best player to ever play. We'll get into that topic another week. But it's just I, I look at a quote that Shaq said, and it's so true, is that I don't see how you can have four of the top 75 players to ever play this game and not make the playoffs. There is no excuse for that. Yeah. I would agree. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And so for me, I just think it's funny because I know people who will just like suck LeBron's dick and be like, oh, he's the greatest to ever do it. Blah blah, blah. And it's really annoying because it's just like, yeah, he might be great, but can he make other people great? I don't think he can.
0: Yeah. Um, obviously, I mean, with the horrible season, they're uh, firing their head coach. Which is Frank I mean, I wouldn't have fired him. He didn't do anything wrong. No. It, I mean, ultimately, what can you do if, you're in, if your players are injured and you're having to deal with a bunch of melodrama 37-year-olds? Well,
1: like I talked about their egos earlier. They couldn't get over it, and they don't want to listen to a coach because they think they know it all. Like, yeah. you have a coach for a reason. And do you know who Quinn Snyder is? No. Quinn Snyder is the head coach for the Utah Jazz. Okay. Um, He was being looked at as a new coach for uh, the Lakers, and he said he did not want to be – part of the Lakers because of how they handled the Frank Vogel firing.
0: Plus the Jazz are doing great anyway.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, but it speaks to the volume of the front office of the Lakers because you have a very talented coach Mm -hmm. in Quinn Snyder who might consider joining you, but because you handled that, he didn't know about it until a press conference. Oh, really? Someone brought up a press conference? Yeah. He hadn't been fired yet, but they, they knew he was going to get fired. And they brought it up in a press conference the last game of the season. He's like, I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah, don't handle it like that because no one is going to go on coach for you because all they're going to hear is they're going to let the players do whatever they want and I'm going to give slack for it. Yeah. it it's bullshit.
0: Um, at one of the press conferences, I think after the final game of the season where uh, the Lakers beat the Nuggets mm-hmm. in an outrageously high-scoring game, um, the different news crew were asking Anthony Davis, a bunch of questions about how he felt, how the season ended and what his thoughts were. And he basically said, well, we were talking about how we've been beat up and injured most of the season. Um, obviously our expectations were to be much higher than this based on the talent that we've had. Um, but he goes on to say that, um, him not logging enough minutes hurt us. Um, LeBron not logging enough minutes hurt us. Um, Westbrook doing his thing, though he thought it was going to be helping the team, ended up kind of hurting us. So he was putting blame on the team itself, which is great to hear. He's not putting it on just a single person in the entire franchise and saying that we need to look at ourselves in the mirror this offseason, realize what we did wrong, come together, and then share that out to everyone and then fix the issue.
1: And I agree with that completely.
0: Which is a very good comment to make, I, I feel like.
1: So. It's it's the correct comment, yeah. but will they do it? Well, I don't think so.
0: They asked him afterwards of like, are you planning on staying? Because he'll be a free agent, I think, after next season or this season, I think. And um, he just didn't comment on it. So who knows if he's actually planning on staying or not? Who knows?
1: Well, if he does have another year, I'm just interested to see if he's actually going to back up what he says.
0: Yeah. And the trio, the three of them, Westbrook, LeBron, and AD, only played in 21 games combined this entire season, and they went 11-10 and in that span. So even when they were all healthy and playing together, like you said, the team chemistry there just was not working like you would think. Because again, yeah, having superstars is great.
1: But, but if, if they, they don't
0: mesh, up. then right. it, it, then what's the point? You're paying a bunch of people money that they probably should be getting somewhere else.
1: Which is why I'm really stoked about how the Grizzlies are this year because their their best player is a third-year player, yeah. and they're building around him, and they're just meshing well. Mm-hmm. That's how basketball should be. It's, right. it's beautiful when it's like that. You yeah. should watch the Grizzlies play. It's awesome.
0: Too bad they lost the other night.
1: Yeah. There's, Against the
0: Timberwolves, but they're doing the same thing. Right.
1: Exactly. It's right. good basketball. Mm-hmm. It, that was a good game to watch. So,
0: I mean, I love to see it. I mean, I'm not a Timberwolves fan. I'm not a Grizzlies fan, but I like John Morant. Right. I mean, I remember watching him in the NCAA tournament a few years back and him just basically single-handedly carrying his team through the Sweet 16. Right. Losing after that, but he got there. I mean, and he was phenomenal to watch. So...
1: And moving on to college basketball, just so we're not taking up too much time with the Lakers, one thing that I wanted to talk about was the NIL and transfer portal. So I have my own viewpoints on this. Um, I guess, first and foremost, I'll touch on the NIL, name, image, and likeness. I think it's great that these kids are able to make a profit on their name. Because you know what? They're going to school. School's getting a bunch of money from them. Why shouldn't they be able to? And I think that's a good thing to do. Yeah. But then it gets tricky with um, how these players are going to these schools. Um, and that brings in the transfer portal is if, for example, Alabama is getting all these players because they're making millions of dollars a year. I think their quarterback this last year um, got $8 million in endorsements for one year. And he's young. Right. It's it's ridiculous. And so that actually brings me to a Nick Saban quote that I found. And he was saying, and I'm not a huge Nick Saban fan, but I do respect him for this statement, is that he said, I don't think what we are doing right now is a sustainable model. Last year on our team, our guys probably made as much or more than anybody in the country. That creates a situation where you can basically buy players. You can do it in recruiting, and you can also get players to get into the transfer portal to see if they can get more someplace else than they can at your own place. And Nick Saban sees this, and the thing I see is that I don't think he likes it, right? He He's recruiting the normal way, getting the best players he can because he's using Alabama, like the name mm-hmm. of Alabama, as a recruiting tool. Or that he has- Nick Saban, I have all these championships. I mean,
0: they've had a name... Kind of for a while, but then he's surpassed that by exponential amounts of like... Right. We are Alabama, and that name alone is enough to pull people.
1: Right, but when you add money to it, the transfer portal is a nightmare at this point because it's just no rules whatsoever. I can just go find players and use this NIL money to be like, yeah, we make more money because we're in the SEC rather than the Big 12 or even going lower uh, the Mid-American Conference, right? Yeah. If you can pull the best player from there, you're hurting that program, but you're benefiting yours because you're going to get a player who's going to start there, probably won't start where you're at because he thinks he's going to get money and probably won't. Yeah. And that goes into, like, my Dabo Sweeney um, quotes is that I respect Dabo Sweeney because he is not anti-transfer portal, but he won't really use it And this is his uh, viewpoint on it. Uh, My transfer portal is right here in the locker room because if I'm constantly going out every year and adding guys from the transfer portal, I'm telling those guys in that locker room that I don't believe in them and I don't think they can play. And that's exactly the the mindset that these coaches should have. It's like if they're Mm. going out to get these recruits right, just because you had a bad season doesn't mean these guys aren't doing something. It means you need to develop these guys better. Yeah. Yeah. And if these guys think that they're better and want to go somewhere else, you know, that's ultimately their choice. But as a coach, that is what you should be doing. I mean, yes, you have to use the transfer portal if you have to fill a spot, right? But when you're looking at it from the perspective of recruiting, I think that's a terrible idea because it shouldn't be about that.
0: I mean, I think that's what the NCAA has a big issue with is like the different recruiting violations that would come because of this that yes, you can technically make money off of your likeness as a player for university of wherever you go but the different magnets that maybe some coaches are going to be using to get those players may be a little bit sketch so I think that's why they're pretty hesitant initially to kind of go and use um, NILs for student but who knows and Um, we can
1: always touch about this NIL transfer portal more later on but I don't want to take up Obviously, a half hour talking about sports when we have a lot of other things to talk about, too. True.
0: Um, So then we're going into uh, Iowa sports. um, We do have an update about, like, Joe Toussaint leaving, speaking of Transfer Portal. Um, He has been uh, decided and picked up by the West Virginia Mountaineers.
1: Good for him. Pretty good team.
0: Um, Yeah, they're pretty good. They weren't too good in the Big 12 this past year, but traditionally, over the years... They're fairly consistent. Um, At least a bubble team or better to get into the NCAA tournament. Um, But a lot of the different – I don't know much about the scheme of West Virginia. Um, I know their coach has been there for a long time, and he's like one of the top seven or top six winningest coaches or something like that in his career. So he's pretty damn good. Um, But other Iowa commentators have been saying that this is a tremendous fit for him and how the offense works there. So Good. I think he'll. I think he'll fit in. Um, I'm assuming he'll get straight off the bench playing time.
1: I, I hope so. He's he's a fantastic player. He shouldn't be benched. And I. I mean, I as much as I hate to see him leave, I just wish the best for him.
0: Yeah, same here. Um, some news for Iowa at least trying to get some players from the transfer portal since we've had a lot um, kind of transfer out of the University of Iowa after the season. The I guess I'm correcting myself here too. I thought it was Utah State. It's Utah Valley, um, who has the top ranked uh, center in the transfer portal after this season. Um, Fardaz Amek. I don't know. I'm sure. I'm assuming I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, but he is a center from Utah Valley um, who has narrowed his pick down to five different schools. Uh, Washington, Gonzaga, Texas Tech, Texas, and Iowa. So he's at least keeping the Hawkeyes in his mindset for where he wants to land um, coming this next season, and I think he would be a very true center. Nothing against Rebracha, Um but I think we've talked about, I don't think it was on this, but maybe more privately one-on-one with just me and Cody that Robracha does some really good things Well,
1: his size killed us,
0: but there are some things that he doesn't do. And unfortunately his height in the big 10 is kind of a negative at this point where he's not making himself as dominant on the floor as maybe he should be for the big 10. And this guy, um, from what I understand and from what I've read is that he at least has that potential to make a huge impact. So, and he was averaging 19 points, 14 rebounds per game. In his conference, obviously that's not going to say the same. Right, it's hard to average a double double in college. So um, hopefully we can land him. And then finally for Iowa sports is that one of the assistant coaches is actually leaving. Billy Taylor, he was uh, Fran McCaffrey's assistant coach. Um, he accepted the head, jo- uh, head coaching job at Elon. Awesome. Yeah, right? I mean, he only had to coach one game this season when Fran McCaffrey was out for COVID, um, but uh, he won the game that he coached, um, and he's been with McCaffrey for a long time. Um, so I think...
1: Just more Hawkeyes flourishing yeah. wherever they're going.
0: I hope so. Yeah. Um, it's a North Carolina school. I don't know what conference or division they're in.
1: Probably like Division Two or something. Yeah.
0: But that'll pretty much wrap it up for Iowa sports
1: and just real, really quickly before we shoot on over to politics and news, um, a men's soccer team, us men's soccer team made the world cup mm-hmm. qualified for the 2022, uh, world cup in December in uh, Qatar, And they're in group B with England, Iran, and to be announced one other, uh, there's a pretty good shot that we can make the actual world cup tournament, which is good. Um, it's a very young team. I think most of them are under the age of 24, which is awesome. It sets us up for a good future um, young talent. And Christian, I believe his last name is uh, Um He plays for Chelsea in the Premier League. So mm. got a really talented player in him. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out.
0: Yeah. Um, I would be worried once they kind of get past or uh, playing England. Um, I know... Oh, man, it was probably when we were in high school. The USA team was playing, I think, in the tournament, and they were playing Germany, and Germany just wiped the floor with them.
1: Well, Germany's really good at They they? are. So there's that.
0: So obviously the further in the tournament you get, the better teams you're going to be playing. So it'll be interesting. Hopefully they can make it, and all the luck to them. Um, And then the Masters wrapped up this past weekend um, where apparently he's just been having a massive – tear this uh beginning of this season scotty scheffler um i obviously don't follow golf i don't know anything about it but, but the masters is one of the biggest tournaments in all of golf so this year alone he has won um four different tournaments including the masters and just doing some quick mental math here he has gotten what
1: uh, eight and eight, and a half eight and a half
0: million dollars in four months of playing, it's nuts. But I, I don't mean,
1: want to touch how gross that is. That's just gross.
0: It. I mean, it is a lot of money to get for playing golf. But I mean, It's gross. It makes me disgusted. But
1: why? I. It's. We'll get into that another day. Just golf. Is,
0: yeah, I mean, but we've never played it, so who knows? I have I could,
1: just well, not on a full course. I just yeah no. no.
0: But we're just going to uh, know that. <laughs> Best luck to Scotty there. He's having a hell of a season. I think you mentioned to me earlier this week off mic that um, his wife made a statement about him winning.
1: I did not say that. I have no idea. About. This oh. is the first time we've talked about golf. Oh, I someone ever. I was
0: talking to might've been a coworker of mine then was saying that his wife made a statement to him just saying to don't forget who you are, even though you're having all this success and apparently he's not been terribly successful earlier in his career playing that don't let this change you be who you are which is like okay good your wife's trying to keep you grounded yeah you're having a lot of success now but you know obviously that success isn't going to carry
1: look at forever
0: yeah right um he had his comeback and wasn't much of a comeback i think he finished in the tight for 30th something or other place so all right um, politics or news here, we're going to get into the big topic of kind of going into the January 6th committee.
1: Yes. Right. Um, so it was this last week I ran across an article and I dug into it a little bit more. Trump had said that he wished he would have joined his supporters in the January 6th march and insurrection of the Capitol. So I looked into it a little bit more. Try to figure out a little bit more about it. Got a couple different articles looking into it. But he is quoted as saying that the Secret Service said I couldn't go. I would have gone and been there in a minute. Which, I, you know, I get the Secret Service wanting to do that.
0: Yeah. Um, He did technically, in my understanding, when he was giving his speech outside, more or less, start the march onto the Capitol. Yeah, he said, let's go. And then obviously wasn't there for it. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming he's talking about how he was kind of there for the whole thing, as opposed to having to leave after his speech. Right. Yeah.
1: Uh, this article also says, the former president also praised the organizers of the rally, some of whom are now facing subpoenas over their conduct on January 6th. Um, he tweeted out this rally is going to be wild earlier in the day or the week. Um, Talked about how big his crowds were, like normal. Um, But the sad thing is after 187 minutes, just slightly over three hours of the attack on the Capitol building, he finally decided to say something, which, I mean, at least he said something, but it took that long. Um, This one is the one that makes me sick, to be honest with you, is that, The Post reported that advisors to the former president described him as being excited while watching television during the march of the subsequent attack on the Capitol.
0: I remember hearing that too from news sources that he was actually from his aides and kind of executive staff that was around him when all this was happening. They all kind of said the same thing of like he seemed almost excited and happy that this was happening and more or less wanted to keep putting fuel on the fire.
1: Which is disgusting because, like, you know what? I, I get the point of it, like him being happy because these people are backing him. That makes you feel good. I completely understand that. But, it's but look at the context yeah, of what just, they're
0: doing. It's utterly That lunacy. should not
1: make you happy. Yeah. And then it talks about how there was a seven hour gap in call logs and how he said he didn't destroy call logs or use burner phones, and whether that's true or not, for you to have a seven-hour gap in the White House of no calls, Mm -hmm. that's fishy.
0: And this kind of goes into something else I've heard unrelated to this January 6th insurrection is that when he apparently left office, a bunch of White House documents that are supposed to stay at the White House because they're no longer yours, you're not the president anymore, he just took with him to Mar-a-Lago and he's still holding on to them. So, I'm not going to make any speculation of like what those documents are or what they contain or anything. But one, you shouldn't have them. Two, you need to hand them over, and if people are asking you to hand them over, you you have to. Like this is not just something you get to have.
1: Right, just because you used to be the president does not mean or even if you are the president like, you still have to do certain things. That is one of them.
0: So I wouldn't be surprised with him holding on to whatever documents those are to also having to deal with, oh, yeah, we lost seven hours of call logs on right. the day of something very, very important in our nation's history. So
1: And he kind of actually touched on that. Uh, I found this in, an I think it was another article, a quote of him saying – From the standpoint of telephone calls, I don't remember getting very many. He (laughs) said, later adding, why would I care about who called me? If congressmen were calling me, what difference did it make? There was nothing secretive about it. There was no secret. It doesn't matter the secretive aspect of it. If people are calling you, it's because they're in danger. They know the only person that they're going to listen to is you. And he actually, uh, touching on that... He was quoted as saying, I thought it was a shame, and I kept saying, why isn't she doing anything about it? Why isn't Nancy Pelosi doing something about it, and the mayor of D.C. also? Uh, the mayor of D.C. and Nancy Pelosi are in charge. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they are not. You are in charge. You are the president of the United States at the time. You, you are the man or woman, if we ever get to that point. But, like, you... Are the person, especially that crowd, are going to listen to? They're not in charge. They wanted to kill Nancy Pelosi. She's not in charge. Yeah, she is not in charge.
0: And the mayor of Washington D.C. is also a Democrat. I'm fairly certain, right? So it's like, yeah, she was obviously doing as much as she could outside with the D- National Guard and police forces, trying to coordinate and make sure that you know nothing else is happening, and then try to evacuate the Capitol. But when you have congressmen and women who are literally huddling up and hiding in different parts of the Capitol building away from these anarchists in a sense of like trying to overthrow democracy and you're saying, I don't remember getting any calls from congressmen. And why? Why would I care if they're calling me? Oh, because they're fucking banging on their doors trying to get in there and kill them.
1: Right. Like I I still remember seeing images of – uh, people coming in with zip ties to tie them up. And yeah, it's just what the fuck did you think was going to happen?
0: They were making makeshift gallows out in the yard, right?
1: Like, that wasn't just oh, they're here to peacefully protest and make sure that we're going to overthrow the government by reversing the election that was actually legitimate, yeah. No, no. They were there for blood. They were calling out Nancy Pelosi's name mm-hmm. to try to kill her. Yeah. Yep. But moving on to a different part of the January 6th is that I found another article that talked about how a court in Virginia disbarred a defense lawyer who claims that it is not illegal to go inside the Capitol. So I did a little, I did a little bit more digging into that and – um I pulled it up on another article here. Uh, The lawyer's name was Jonathan Mosley. Um, He was found to have violated, and I quote, excuse me, professional rules that govern safekeeping property, meritorious claims and contentions, candor towards the tribunal, fairness to opposing party and counsel, unauthorized practice of law, multi-jurisdictional practice of law, bar mission in disciplinary matters, and misconduct. Uh, he suggested that the Oath Keepers, one of the groups of people there, did nothing wrong by entering the Capitol. And I'll let you touch on that because you know a little bit more about history. Um,
0: well, well, I know for certain that you and I cannot just walk up and go into the Capitol building. Right. Like,
1: Which, this quote is actually funny that you just said that because he says... I've had lunch in the Capitol for no reason. It's not illegal to go inside the Capitol. Um, then he said he was going back and forth with a CNN host at one point and Yeah, Keller, it looks like. Yep. And their con- uh, conversation went, did you break through the window to get into that lunch? Uh, the Capitol Police also rejected Mosley's argument. And they said... When it comes to the violations on January 6th, it is not relevant whether or not the U.S. Capitol building is a public building. Um, It is not open to the general public that day, first, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, second, because it was a joint session of Congress, the rioters violated the law the moment they crossed the police line. Yeah. So you and I could go into the Capitol building on a normal day. we probably have to get uh, security patted down and... uh, we, we'd have to be able to get access to it, but we probably could go in. Yeah. But on that day specifically, no, you couldn't because they were doing something. Yeah. Something that caused the building to be closed. We couldn't have just waltzed right in there. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did. They waltzed in there when they were not allowed to do it.
0: Or not even just waltzed. Y- right. They literally broke in.
1: Rammed and
0: – Yeah. Uh, like broke windows, busted down doors, you know um, – beat up cops and security guards yeah. and got in. So it's that argument of trying to... Well, they
1: killed one cop.
0: A, well, a couple of them ended up passing away from... I mean, one of them, I think, was killed on scene. Right. And the other one ended, um, died a few days later from complications yeah. due to that.
1: The Blue Lives Matter people killed the blue life.
0: Yeah, right? Isn't that kind of ironic?
1: Oh, irony. Yeah. It, it's, it's just ridiculous. And so I actually have no love lost... Um, for this guy who got disbarred because that's a ridiculous argument to make. Like, you can't just say, "Oh, it's a public building; they're all allowed to go in there." Not entirely.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Yeah, sure. It's a government building, which the people pay for, but there are still rules, on when you can and cannot go somewhere.
0: Right. I mean, I'm tech- look,
1: look at a public park. There's certain hours. You cannot go into a public park because it is closed.
0: Yeah, you could be arrested if a cop finds you in a public park. Exactly.
1: Like your tax dollars pay for it, but you still have certain hours where you can cannot go.
0: I mean, the White House is also kind of quoted as being like the people's house, quote unquote. Of right. like, it's the people's house because these are the people that elected me to be here. Um, But I also cannot just go into the White House whenever I want. You have to be on a tour for that. And if you are seen trying to break in a window and a door and beating up a security guard to get in. You'll probably be shot. I'll be probably shot, tased, um, for sure going to jail. Probably prison. So it's not like it's, yeah. Well, I'm lucky that he can't practice law anymore. Right, yeah. Right. It's it's just ridiculous. He probably has better luck trying to be a... Use car salesman now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That that one that article, I was just like, come on, man.
0: Yep. And we'll continue to post or try to get some updates. Yeah. Um with this committee going forward. A big thing that I had issue an issue with is that they tried making it a partisan committee initially that Congress was actually gonna be handling themselves. And of course, all House Republicans said no, we're not doing that. So the Democrats had to kind of go out on their own and make it a separate committee that is, yes, bipartisan in the sense that there are both people on other sides of the aisle working on it, but it's not an actual, like, act of Congress. So that's kind of an annoying thing.
1: Yeah, well, the dichotomy of our government right now is really just crazy. But we'll have to touch on that another day so we're not wasting too much time. Yep. Um some local news that we haven't really gotten to local news much since we've started this, but it's our first one and it's unfortunately sad. So I was born and raised in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um second bill second biggest city in the state. Mm-hmm. Um loved loved everything about it, but it does have its problems. And in our downtown area at a nightclub called Taboo, um, there was a shooting that killed two people, a 25-year-old man and a 35-year-old woman. Um, they believe that two people did the shooting and it was targeted, mm-hmm. and one has been arrested so far. Um, it's actually not terribly far from where I grew up, probably about five or six miles. Um, I know exactly where it was. Is it on that southern part of Cedar Rapids? Southwest part, yep. Okay. Um I, uh, I had actually been to the restaurant right across the street from it probably three months prior to that, and right across the street from the shooting is an old folks home downtown. It's, it's just really sad to see something like this happen in my city, and I mean, it happens, but it's just when something's egregious like that and targeted it, it just it hits a little bit harder. Oh, yeah. Um,
0: so, from my understanding, the police were called to a mass shooting that ended up killing two people and injured ten others that uh, Sunday morning. Um, Timothy Leto Rush, 32, was charged with second-degree murder, willful injury, intimidation with a dangerous weapon, reckless use of a firearm, and possession of a firearm as a felon um the two people that were identified killed in the shooting were Michael Valentine and then Nicole Owens um Valentine being 25 years old so younger than us and then uh Nicole Owens being 35 so you know shootings happen a lot but it's unfortunate that when the people that are dying are One young, but then also too, from my understanding of reading this, is that he knew the victims that were ended up uh, passing because of this um, gun violence. So
1: the the thing that makes me sick about gun violence is I'm I'm not anti-gun. Okay, I want to put that out there now. I'm not anti-gun, but what makes me sad about situations like this is that you have with with this one being targeted, you have innocent people there. Who now are in the crossfire. And you have those 10 other people who were injured, right? So they're obviously dealing with their own stuff. But then you have all those. I think there was, they were saying there was about 150 people there that night. Yeah. You have now, after those 10 people injured, 140 other people who are mentally scarred from that situation.
0: 100, 150, it says here in the article, people were inside the club at the time.
1: Right. So you look at that. Yeah, you have those people who were injured whether from shrapnel, an actual bullet, whatever it is, right? But then you have all those other people who listened to the shots being ran out, probably saw someone die. Yeah. Like, that leaves a lot of scar tissue that's invisible. So, I mean, yes, my thoughts are out to the family of the victims and to the people who were injured, but also to those people who had to witness it. Anyone who... Know someone who was there, making like worrying about whether or not their friend or family member had died or been injured. It's just, it's a nightmare when it comes to mass shootings and gun violence. Is a lot of people are affected rather than just the people being hurt. Yeah.
0: Yep. Hundred percent. All right. So we're gonna wrap up the news politics portion there. And move into the entertainment stuff. Something more fun. Yeah.
1: Let's make it a little more lighthearted.
0: Last week, we ended with having a preview of kind of going into like our three favorite movies of all time. Um, I had a real hard time coming to my final three, and I had to change out uh, my third one like two or three different times to get, you know, the one that I actually think would, yes, probably fulfill it. Um, so we'll start with you. You can start off with your top three and I would say go in from three third to one to, All right. yeah.
1: I mean, I didn't have a hard time because I watched so many movies. I, I'll narrow them down while I'm watching them and I'll be like, oh, this isn't my top 10. I fill out my top 10. And then I watch a movie. I haven't seen in a while. I was like, oh, okay, maybe this one is, but I've solidified my top three. Yeah. Okay. My number three, Shawshank Redemption. Number one movie rated on IMDB. Fantastic movie. I think it came out in 94.
0: Yeah, sounds about right.
1: Tim Robbins, Morgan Freeman. It it's a long movie uh, for people who don't like action. Um, it's a storytelling movie. Right. It's it's narrative-driven. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. The acting is great. Story's good. Plot twist was awesome. It's just. I think it's two and a half hours of just pure, good cinema. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. But if you don't like slower movies, don't watch it. It's not going to be worth your time. Okay. Hmm. Number two, Dead Poets Society.
0: That's a good choice. I like that one.
1: Ethan Hawke, Robin Williams. Um, oh, there's another one. I can't remember these guys' names right now. They're all kids. But anyway. Hmm.
0: Young actors at that
1: point. Right. Good story about a teacher who is his first year at a private school that he used to attend. One of the best private schools in the nation. Uh, but with private schools, these, these kids are, I would say, militaristically driven to... Success. Right. success To the, the
0: extreme degree. Right. So much external pressure put on them, so you have to do well here.
1: Exactly, yep. and so he is teaching literature and goes on to poetry, and he used to be in what it was called the Dead Poet Society when he was there, mm-hmm. and so some of the students catch wind of that. They try to figure out what it was, figure out what it is, they do it again. One of the kids uh, really starts embracing this. I'm not going to spoil the plot twist there, but... Um, if you've ever heard the quote, Oh, captain, my captain, it is from a Walt Whitman poem, but it is quoted in this movie. And one of the, one of my favorite endings in movies.
0: And he was nominated for best actor, Robin Williams in a leading role for that movie. Um, it was one of the three, he was nominated three times for leading role and he lost all three of them. That was one of them. And, it's insane that, I mean, Good Morning Vietnam was another, and then The Fisher King, I don't know if you've ever seen that one. If you watch The Fisher King also, I mean, each three of those movies are completely different, and the characters in them are completely different, but and, just him as an actor right. is like...
1: And we were talking about this last week, the whole ha-ha funny man, yeah. right? Robin Williams was known for being a comedian uh and Mindy, um, stand-up set he did, and a lot of his i guess best known works are for children like haha i'll make you laugh cuz i can do a bunch of different voices i mean look at miss Doubtfire, right
0: for animation and acting right yeah i mean for his comedy comedy routines it was right. very much adult but
1: so you you see him being a comedian but then you look at dead poet society is a great example of him being a younger actor who can deliver like, even he he brings the meat of the words to life, and yeah. how he portrays it. It's just every single time I watch that movie, I just I want to do something with my life.
0: And even with movies that he was in that weren't like critically acclaimed, like Patch Adams or or Jack, yeah. Like you just feel for the character and just have such a deep understanding of the role. It's amazing. He's an amazing
1: guy. And then was it? last yeah. but not least, my number one movie of all time. And I understand it's not everyone's number one movie of all time, but that's okay. Yeah. 1985 classic, The Breakfast Club by John Hughes. Yeah. Oh, man. You got the Rat Pack there. Um, and not the Rat Pack.
0: The Brat no, Pack. The there brat we go. The Brat Pack. The Rat Pack. I know, were I know. from the uh, 50s. 50s. Yeah, with Frank Sinatra.
1: But yeah, the Brat Pack there, um, just a great movie. Uh, I think my favorite part about it is that I think I was first introduced to it when I was still a teenager. I think I might have been 17 or 18. And I was still trying to find my way in life, uh, trying to figure out where I want to go. I mean, I'm only 27 now, so it's not like I have found my way exactly, but... It's just such a good coming-of-age movie to really just show anybody that no matter who you are and what you portray, that's not always who you are, and you can't make stereotypes based on a high school and who you think people are. You have to get to know someone to really, as dumb as it sounds, get to know them. Yeah. You and I, when we first met, we probably had um, ideas of what each other were like, but once we got to know each other, it really wasn't like that. I People look at me all the time. I'm covered in tattoos. I wear a hat backwards. I look unintelligent. I'm very aware <laughs> that I look unintelligent. But then people get to talk to me, and I kind of know what I'm talking about on certain things. And so it's just like, oh, you're not a fucking idiot. And it's like,
0: yeah. Yeah. Weird. I mean, John Hughes has that for, like, all of his movies that he did in the 80s. It was just, like, a coming of age of, like, also just showing the teenage experience in America. I mean, at least at that time in the 80s.
1: Well, and even – it can so, translate to now. I mean, the pressures, The, stories, the pressures yes. of
0: and the what feelings. your parents are
1: putting on you. Yeah. Like, that's one of the biggest plots in that movie.
0: I mean, I'm saying that's just what he did in general. Right. Like, I mean, Ferris Bueller's Day Off also is another one.
1: Ferris Bueller's but, Day Off is – Great, but Ferris Bueller's a fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a completely different topic.
0: Yeah. All right. What do you got? Um. Okay. So for my favorite three, going from three up to one, I have Boondock Saints. Never seen it. I know. I'm sorry. And, and that's totally fine. Um, it's a really good movie. It's it takes place around St. Patrick's Day. Um, The whole point of the movie is that you have these kind of two good for nothing Irish characters that kind of just get by in life for the most part and just kind of have fun um, with their own friend groups. And then they get involved in a entanglement with like a Russian mob and then they start learning of like, hey, people actually were good and okay with us killing a couple of Russian mobsters. So then they start thinking, like, oh, well, maybe we can make this our new job, right? We can go around and start killing other people involved in mobs and try to take down crime. And the public actually supports it. Um, to the, And even the uh, police officers that are trying to investigate this are like, these people are not professionals. They don't know what they're doing. Um And they're kind of making our job easier, in a sense. Like, they're taking criminals off the street, which is a good thing. We don't know who these people are, and it's just kind of like whatever. If you have the time, it is very violent, and it does have a lot of swear words, and it is kind of gory at times. Oh, that's my kind of movie. It's great, though. (laughs) And it's great. And some of the humor in it, because it also has some great jokes and humor, is amazing. Like, one of my favorite characters, his name is Rocco. He works for the Italian mob, and he's friends with the two main characters. Yeah, Rocco is funny. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, second is Grand Budapest Hotel.
1: Never heard of it. I've never you, heard of it.
0: You've never even heard. I've never heard of it. Of the Grand Budapest Hotel. I, know,
1: I love movies. I've never heard of it.
0: Okay, so it was a movie that came out, um, I think, 2014. I'm going to look that up. Yep, 2014. It's kind of a very artistical Wes Anderson movie. You know who Wes Anderson is, right? Yeah. Okay, so this is probably, I mean, he even people who are big Wes Anderson fans don't consider this one of his best movies. But the way he films and shoots things is super art-focused. And then just the color palette that goes along with the movie of the contrasted colors, the uh, dialogue within the movie and the characters' conversation, the storyline is phenomenal. I mean, Ralph Fiennes does an amazing job as the kind of executive of this hotel, the Grand Budapest. And it's just kind of hearkening back to a previous time of traveling the world and going to these different countries in Europe and kind of um, Middle East and stuff and seeing these elaborate hotels and just how um, strict with policy that they were and how, you know important to the word, to the demographic of that area.
1: Well, I mean, you have the cast pulled up right now, and that is star-studded.
0: It is an amazing cast. Um, Bill Murray plays another kind of um, maitre d' of a hotel, and he he's not even in it for that long. But his whole purpose in it and the whole just kind of short dialogue that he has is fantastic. Um, the whole premise of it is that there is this very wealthy woman that comes to the Grand Budapest a lot, Specifically for the service at the hotel, um, and she falls in love with Ralph Fines, the main character. At least they have kind of an affair of some kind because he sleeps with a lot of the guests that come in there. Well, Classic. yeah, she goes back home, passes away. He goes to her kind of reading of the will and finds out that he's getting a very kind of priceless item of hers. And her family is like, um, what the heck you just own and operate, not own, but you operate a hotel. Why are you getting this very priceless piece of memorabilia or whatever?
1: Dick game too good.
0: And then, yeah. Right. And then it just kind of spirals into beyond that of further story. And it comes up at the very beginning of the movie of this guy who's, um, played by Jude law is just visiting this hotel. He's like, I heard so much about this hotel, but when I come to it in the 1970s, it's a, it's a trash hole. It's a dump. Like, why would people like this? And then he starts interviewing the owner of it, and the owner tells him this whole long story of why it was so great. So I highly recommend it. It's phenomenal. If you're a Wes Anderson movie, it is kind of slow, and it's very dialogue-driven, but the color in it is phenomenal. And then rounding up my top three, I have Goodwill Hunting.
1: Dude, I, I see where you're coming from. I love goodwill hunting it's
0: again it's robin probably williams. in my
1: top 10 definitely in my top 20
0: this is the role where robin williams ended up winning an oscar and like i said earlier with you the previous times that he was nominated i don't know how he did not win so in my mind he should be four for four for oscars but for this he got it i mean he was a supporting role um but thanks to matt damon and ben affleck uh, casting him and they, they, he wasn't even their first choice, from my understanding. It's just that when he came to the audition, they're like, "You are him," as how we pictured him to be. Um, phenomenal movie, in my opinion.
1: It, it makes so much sense why two Robin Williams movies were in our top three. Just it, it just speaks to him as an actor personally. Yeah.
0: Um, whole storyline is you have a not known genius. Kind of underplaying his role in life because he has so much to give, but he's not willing to do it because he is fearful of being rejected. It's pretty much his whole life story. Um, comes across the psychologist um, that is his court ordered to help him, kind of work out his issues. Um, initially, is pretty combative with them, but learns that they're oh, they're actually from the same neighborhood. Oh, they've had the kind of same upbringing. Oh, he has the same outlook on life as me, and he's able to help me realize my potential
1: honestly the back and forth between uh him and matt damon matt damon is just it's so good Mm -hmm. it's just so good
0: yeah and you would never know looking at robin williams oh this guy does comedy
1: right especially in that movie
0: yeah if you were to just isolate him alone if you were to show this to one person and be like what do you think that guy does other than just acting in this movie?" People would say, oh, he's probably a pretty serious role actor, right. like method actor, or he works in Broadway or something. Right. Nope. He was on a show, a sitcom, Mork and Mindy, playing an alien where he made funny noises and then was in movies doing comedies and outrageous right. bits.
1: Yeah. Such a good actor.
0: Um, the reason why I had an issue with these top three is my honorable mentions of ones I, had, I put in and thrown out were Blazing Saddles with Mel Brooks production, Dumb and Dumber, which we had mentioned a couple weeks back, um, and then the movie Lincoln.
1: I've wanted to see it, haven't seen it. But the other two, I like Blazing Saddles. Yeah, Dumb and Dumber, whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that one's just a personal favorite. It's right. not even because it's good or anything. It, it it's just bad. like, I know pretty much all the words from that movie. That's
1: something in itself.
0: I had a TV in my room growing up that had a VHS player attached to it, and I had very had few vhs tapes that i would watch and that one i watched a lot i it would just put explains it in a lot watch it on repeat all the time <laughs> that definitely explains. every night lot. before i went to bed i know most lines <laughs> from that movie <laughs> and when it comes on tv i am quoting it and annoying everyone in the
1: room so you're my girlfriend yeah And any disney movie yeah pretty much all right well since we've talked about robin williams a lot we obviously know that he passed um in 2014 yeah right unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, which brings us to another legend dying recently, uh, Gilbert Gottfried. Yep. Died at 67. Most people in our generation at least know him as Iago from Aladdin. Yep. Very distinct voice. A uh, well-known actor, comedian. He was also Affleck duck. Yep. It's, it's always a sad day on our podcast. We're always talking about people dying. Well, we gotta do a week where no one dies, okay? Okay. Alright. But, um... So yeah, that's that's a that's a hit to the uh cinema world, so in our childhood. But
0: yeah, I mean, he was also very much like the um I don't care if it's too soon. I'm oh, making yeah. a joke. Have you ever watched any of his comedy bits or anything? Yes. He is ruthless. Yeah. And on roasts, he is just absolutely yep. out there. I loved him on roasts. It's great. I mean, um, he ended up passing away from a genetic disorder that's fairly rare that causes, um, what is it? Yeah, abnormal heartbeat. So it's rare gen- genetic muscle disease that can trigger a dangerously abnormal heartbeat, is what his publicist um, gave the statement out as. Um, this article here doesn't actually mention it by name. I have looked it up and it's hard to pronounce. So I don't want to have to. Mess it it. up. Yeah, butcher it and get it completely wrong. But, yeah, 67, not terribly old. Not at all. Okay, so we're going to move into, speaking of movies there, bad movie guesses.
1: How many you got for me this week?
0: Um, I'm going to do five again. All right. So this is a very short one. Groundhog Day, but on a train.
1: Oh crap! Oh no, I don't. I don't even think I've seen this one.
0: You probably haven't because it sucked.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, I,
0: I've seen it. And it's what is it? Uh, the movie Source Code. I've never even heard of that. Oh, it's like Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh yeah, no. I the whole premise that. is that he is somehow a soldier that has been put his mind into the body of someone else that's been on a train that was in a terrorist attack, and he has to figure out who did it and where the bomb is and everything. Ah, so it's very much like you die. It resets. We got to play the whole thing again. That sounds stupid. It is kind of dumb. I mean, the premise is okay, but the way it was, uh, executed was bad. All right. Next one. Um, Seinfeld, except he learns he's on a show called Seinfeld.
1: WandaVision.
0: Um, no, uh, the Truman show.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a good movie. It is a good movie. I just, I threw that in the mirror. I'm like, how do I explain the Truman Show without it, like, giving it away on the first beat? So I'm like, oh, it'd be like if Jerry Seinfeld and right. Seinfeld realized, oh, this is a show called Seinfeld.
1: <laughs> I mean, that was so, actually a really good way to do it. I just had.
0: Yeah. yeah right. Okay. Um, next one. A woman wakes up after her wedding day and goes to work to kill everyone who attended.
1: Oh, I know this one. Kill Bill. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yep, that is Kill Bill. Yep, that's a good one. Um, Two nerds create the most realistic sex doll and trash their house. That's from the 80s. It is. Oh. (laughs)
1: It's a John Hughes movie. I know, I know it. What is it? Oh.
0: It's it's a really good movie. Shit. I watched it way too young with my dad. (laughs) I
1: haven't seen it, but I know it, and I can't think
0: of it. We should watch it sometime. What is it? Weird science. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's a good movie. I mean, my dad, uh, let me watch some movies like fast times at Ridgemont high also yeah. way too young. Yeah. Cause he was like, Oh, I liked this movie when I was in high school and then he would watch it with me. He's like, Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. Last one. Idiots refuse to learn from their mistakes and surprising to no one. People die.
1: That's so many movies.
0: It could be right. You're right.
1: There's one in particular that you're thinking, and I have no idea.
0: Yep. Jurassic World.
1: Oh, I've never seen it.
0: Oh, but it's just like you know, dealing with dinosaurs. Yeah. Weird. People have made this mistake before, at least in previous Jurassic Park movies.
1: And we're just gonna keep. doing And we're just gonna it. keep yeah. doing it. That's right. right? Yeah. All so right. I'm surprised one to no five. one,
0: people die. Yep. One for five, and, and you answer. get. And I did not think you were gonna get the. Um, well, Kill Bill 1, I thought you were going to oh, okay.
1: get that Okay, come yeah. on, give me some credit. Yeah, I thought you were going to get that and one. And I at least knew The Weird the, Science was a movie. I just couldn't yep. think of the name.
0: Yep. Okay. So uh, now we're going to move into our unpopular opinions. And well, I it's think. It's your
1: turn to go first. Yeah,
0: I was going to say, I think it's my turn to go first. And for this week, um, my unpopular opinion, at least for Midwesterners, I'm assuming, I have no idea what this is for around the U.S., but I think roundabouts are easy functional and time-saving
1: you are absolutely correct
0: like i don't i under i don't understand why so many people are upset about
1: you've heard the phrase you can't teach a dog an old dog new tricks right i guess anytime
0: i talk to an old person driving in a circle they hate them it's just driving in a circle
1: right but they don't understand the concept you get anyone 40 and younger, no problem
0: Yeah, and I just pulled up some. I researched some information about why I'm right on this. Of course, yes, I have. Um, Easier and time saving. I mean, traffic for roundabouts uh, result in fewer stops, which means uh, lower traffic delays. Um, During rush hour, roundabouts can accumulate or accommodate, sorry, uh, thirty to fifty percent more vehicles because the traffic is constantly moving. Um, It's functional. It improves the flow of traffic, and it's better for the environment. Research shows that traffic flow improves after traditional intersections are converted into roundabouts. Uh, Less idling reduces vehicle emissions and fuel consumption. Uh, Drivers are using 30% less gas when using a roundabout compared to a traffic signal. And they're safer in the sense that they've proven to have better uh, benefits for overall intersections and safety and design. The Federal Highway Administration reports that roundabouts reduce injury in fatal car crashes by 78 to 82 percent compared to conventional intersections. A typical intersection has 32 conflict points where accidents could occur compared to only eight at a roundabout. The most severe types of intersection crashes, like right angle, left turn, head on collisions, are very unlikely in a roundabout situation. Um, and for roundabouts, pedestrians walk along the sidewalks around the perimeter of a, um, roundabout as opposed to, you know, walking through the line of traffic at intersections. So that's why they're better. I don't <laughs> care what people think. Oh, they're so annoying. They're
1: awesome. They're I, love a,
0: I love them. The more we have in town here, cause we are getting a lot in the there's, Waterloo, Cedar Falls area.
1: There's one being built right now by my house.
0: Yeah. I love them. And I I I get frustrated. The only time I get frustrated is when other people obviously don't know what to do in them.
1: Right. It, it's not hard.
0: It's not hard. You <laughs> enter when there's no one there, and you exit wherever you want because right.
1: they have to yield to you. Right. It's it's mind blowing how
0: easy it is.
1: Some people make it.
0: Yeah. All right. All right. Yep. Yours is going to piss me off. So let's get it's into gonna, it.
1: It's going to piss you and a lot of people <laughs> off. And my reasoning for it is going to piss you off. Okay. Elf is not a good movie. <sighs> It's not an okay movie. Mm-hmm. It's a bad movie. Mm. It is not a good movie. Okay. One of the biggest reasons why, and this is what's really going to piss you off, Will Ferrell's not funny. He is funny. No, he's not.
0: He actually is. He's
1: really not. If
0: you ask anyone in Hollywood <laughs> or most people around the country, I bet you they'd be like, "Oh no, he is funny."
1: So, when he did his SNL skits, I I my brother bought a best of SNL Will Ferrell. DVD. Mm -hmm. I loved it because those were good skits. But what he's done over the past fifteen years is not funny. It's all the same. It's outlandish, annoying, like slapstick comedy. That it's funny. No, it's not. (laughs) And especially Elf. Like I like John Favreau a lot. Yeah, but. I don't like that it was Will Ferrell cast. I, don't get me wrong. I don't think Will Ferrell wasn't the perfect candidate. I get it.
0: But Did it's a w- bad movie. Did you watch the Netflix thing, how it was made, or how our favorite movies were made, or something like that?
1: Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. But they no. have
0: a specific Christmas right edition, and they talk about how Elf was made. And yeah, from my understanding, Elf, uh, Will Ferrell was not necessarily the person in mind, but he
1: got the role, and they were apparently very happy with it, like right. I was. I I hate I hate the movie. It's bad. Prep, like the plot line, is all right, but it's kind of a funny plot line. It's an all right plot line
0: because he just goes to New York. He he's only experienced elves in the North Pole. He doesn't know right. what's going on in this big city. I get it. He it's not good. Perfume though. in his mouth. It's not good. And then he buys lingerie. I've seen it for his dad. I know. <laughs> it's funny. I've seen it. It's funny.
1: It's not good. Well. <laughs> Sorry, sorry about it, but it's not funny. Mainly because Will Ferrell's bad. I made notes on this. Uh, of course, right? of course I
0: did. <laughs> I have to push back on a little bit. I mean, it stars Will Ferrell. All right, who's knock. in it? A plus in my mind there. Knock. Zoe Deschanel. Yes. James Khan Yes. Peter Dinklage. Yeah.
1: I-, I know who's in it. Yeah. I've seen
0: it. Mary Steinberg, who plays the mom. Right. And then, like you said, it was directed by John Favreau. Great. All of that's fantastic.
1: Except for Will Ferrell.
0: It made $223.3 million at the box office, so it's a successful movie, right? It has an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes, yep, which is the same as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and it's higher than Deadpool 2 and also has the same percent as Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which most people would also say, oh, those are good movies.
1: You know, and I told you this after we did our podcast last week. I'm noticing a trend, okay, where you are the stats guy. I am. You you get your information down, Pat. got to. And I just speak on personal belief and my opinions and my passion. You're right. And it is a bad fucking movie. (laughs) My girlfriend wants to watch it on Christmas, and I say, nope. You can watch it all you want, but I'm not going to watch it.
0: See, I like it. I almost grew to the point of not liking it because –
1: I watched it once and hated it. I
0: used to have to watch it all the time. And it got to the point where I'm like, I don't want to have to keep watching Elf on repeat all the time. But since then, I haven't really watched it as frequently. And now I'm watching it kind of in and out in between. I don't think I've even watched it this past year, but... Good for you. No. (laughs) Good movie.
1: All right. What about today in history?
0: Um, So today in history, starting back again, most recent, going back further than the past, um... 1986, the world's largest uh, war ends without a single shot having been fired. The state war uh, between the Netherlands and the Isles of Sicily had uh, extended for a total of 335 years um, without a peace treaty, and it officially ended in 1986. Um, 1975, Fompel Phanem um, falls as the Khmer Rouge... I'm butchering that name. Yes, you are. But he was a regime leader under the brother, um, number one for Pol Pot, and where he uh, killed millions of people in their genocide there in Laos. Um, 1961, the CAA-sponsored paramilitary group attempts to invade Cuba. So this is the Bay and Pigs invasion, which we just talked about this past week in U.S. history class at school. <laughs> Um, which was in a failed attempt to overthrow the Cuban government, um, where the United States had trained, um, Cuban exiles to then invade Island of Cuba to over, to overthrow Castro. Um, and then in 1790, Benjamin Franklin, um, passed away at the age of 84, which is extremely old for that time. Yes. Um, birthdays that are today are actress Jennifer Gardner, Sean Bean. He's not dead. He's not dead. Uh, Redman, I don't know if you who who he have is. have No idea. He's a rapper. Cool. He he was. Is he uh, good? I mean, he's known as being one of the best um, lyricists. Oh, that's good for rapping.
1: Awesome.
0: Um, which is great. And then Tyrone Woodley, the MMA fighter. All of them have birthdays today.
1: Well, happy birthday to
0: them. Yeah. So pretty quick and easy there. Um, there are some topics that we weren't able to get to this week due to time, so we will have to preview them for next week, uh, specifically going into, we talked about our three favorite movies uh, today. Next week, we'll talk about our three favorite video games yep. from our childhood, so that should be pretty
1: fun. Sports will talk about NBA finals and see who we want to win, who we think will win. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? You, uh, um, we might do a moral dilemma, see what each other thinks about something. Yeah, there's
0: news going on, um, especially this past week with Elon Musk and Twitter that I would like to cover next week, um, as well as there's an Iowa education bill that I was made aware of also this week that I would like to talk about. Well, we'll
1: definitely touch on it.
0: And then I don't know if it'll be next week or later on, but with the two former Iowa players that are in the uh, NBA, Luca Garza and Joe Wieskamp, uh, I wanted to pull up their season stats to kind of look at how they did um, as playing in the actual NBA. Awesome. So, all right, that is it. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.